Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 265. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake, and Jackie Lipitsky. Hello. Always excited to be here. Super excited. Yeah, I feel like um, part of me wants to just go on a like four episodes in a row, Andrew, where it's just you and I talking like the old days. The old, uh, just yeah. because I feel like we're less distracted now. Maybe the audience prefers less distraction, but I, I feel like when we have other people on, they like, you know, it's, it's all about frequency and comfort, Jackie. And so it, it kind of like Andrew and I did it the same for, maybe it was because we ran out of things to talk about, Andrew. I don't know. I don't know. That's but it was definitely more like I rabbit think- trails were encouraged. And now I feel like my internal voice is like, no, we got to stick to the show notes. Our call on Wednesday, it's, it's bad. We will like create seeds of conversation. I don't know if that's a word that makes any sense. Yeah. And like, we'll go like 30 seconds into this one and then immediately back into one we started a minute and a half ago. And like, that's how my brain functions. And so sorry if you talk to me, <laughs> you're like, what the heck is this dude talking about? Like, I'm just that way, this way, we're all over the place. Yeah, you have right? some people um, with ADHD on a call. It's not good. Not like, I mean, and what I mean by this, and this can all be edited out, Jackie, but on a scale of one to 10, what would be your comfort level of hopping on to record this podcast with no show notes whatsoever? You know, I would say last year, super uncomfortable, but this year, I mean, it just, just experience and going through this. I mean, I know I that. Yeah. Now. Right. I think it's, again, it's, it's about repetition. Repetition is the mother of learning. And uh, sometimes when you're, when you're, part of the Duke of our team, but you're coming on the podcast once every month and a half, just because there's so many of us now, it can be difficult to kind of get into that, that flow. Yeah. I think. Rusty. Got to shake the rust off. Yeah. But, well, we yeah. got no rust here. This is, this no, is no the... rust in this group. That's for <laughs> sure. This group. What are we talking about? All right, let's start out with story time. I always think about Kimberly Mackey when uh, we start. Oh yeah. <laughs> I like that quote from her. Her comment like two years ago now of, I have no idea what the hell Kevin's podcast is going to start with. That's, that's the best thing. Yeah. You don't. Me either. You Kevin don't. doesn't either. I try, I <laughs> yeah, try to don't. say, I think that's what Kevin, I think that's what you're trying to lead to. It's like, Jackie likes to stay on topic, but I like, you to, like to have like, yeah, you like themes. You like, yeah, I do like uh, structure. Whereas like that's, and it's, it's all good. There's no right or wrong. It's just not how my, my, like if I listened to something and there was four news articles on the same topic, I think you would love that because it's like focused mm-hmm. and you would know. Depending on the topic, right? Yeah. Whereas me, I'm like, I don't care what the topic is. I give me like most 10 minutes on it and I'm on to the next thing, just mentally my brain. I joke though. I'm like, we're not allowed to talk about 3D printing houses ever again. Like, <laughs> I agree. We have like we a could. summer of like, why or is every new metaverse? Cycle? Maybe metaverse is fine. Uh, right. Unless right. We got we to gotta take breaks from things now and then. Yeah. Unless it happens. It's, it gets too repetitive. And even this, this week, I was like, hey guys, if anyone has any ideas, because we're uh, like there's just some weeks of tons of things happen in the home building world. Some things don't and then fun little ad things happen. So it's, it's always worth mentioning or kind yeah. of bringing in. So, which goes into sort of my story time. I always feel like there's a theme to a week and this week is See? what the heck is this new product I'm selling? And <laughs> we just uh, talked about that. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what is the theme? Uh, <laughs> that is the theme of the week. Well, you just get like four emails on the same, same topic and you're like, everyone's thinking That's about crazy. It. It is. And it I, does work like that. It does work like that. So I had a meeting yesterday and this builder's like, my builder is thinking about doing twin homes. And I was like, oh, welcome to the last three conversations I had. So we talked more about that marketing that, but the funnier conversation came when I talked to the marketing strategists on our team about, hey guys, how do you feel search volume works? How do you feel when marketing these new products? Mm-hmm. Like what do people search? And that kind of came up for an internal do you convert debate because we have townhouses, duplexes, villas, duets, paired homes, townhouses, unique names that a builder will come up with for these products occasionally. And, and there are varying differences in, in, in these products and in different definitions. But and sometimes those names all run together, like um, <laughs> paired villas or you know, yeah. twin home duplexes. Yeah, roll a dice, name your product. And then uh, it's regional too. Like I feel like in the South, like at least Florida Villa is a, it's really a duplex, but you wouldn't call it a duplex, but it could be more than two. 
but it'd be a single floor. Like a villa has to be single floor. Yep. Yeah. Townhome would just, be the same thing. Which is the girls. conversation of, oh, this this new product is actually going to have a basement. I was like, technically, all my other ones I've worked with have never had a basement. So that's interesting. So, but it kind of goes around to how do you explain this to a potential buyer? But then how do you also mm-hmm. capture those people searching for those terms? And, and do you use all those search terms or how do you approach the situation? I think that's when we kind of chatted about it lightly, Kevin, is that do people immediately always consider those products and how do we target them? Because I know when I was in Illinois searching for a new house, like a house house, I ended up buying a condo because I was like, well, that's the most affordable. And I didn't start off searching for a condo. So I think sometimes also the where people start is with that price point. And that's also maybe where us in messaging and marketing start. And then we kind of educate people about the benefits of these paired homes, villas, townhouses, duets, whatever we're, we're calling them and, and how that flows. What are your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah. The same thing relates to a lot of different parts of what we work on. You know, we've talked about this several times before series of homes could be the same thing. Well, these are the diamond series. Well, no one knows what the diamond series means. No matter what you put on your website, they're going to say, why can't I put a diamond series home in this other neighborhood that doesn't seem to offer it? So it's all about complexity. And and I always try to think of funny examples of this. Do you think anyone or almost anyone starts out by saying, I want to buy a minivan? Or do they say, I need a car. Okay, I need a car that can hold five people. Okay, I need a car that can hold five people where they can get in and out on their own. And like, eventually it leads you to minivan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are very few yeah. people who start out saying, man, I hope I get a minivan. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It'd be so cool to drive around in. <laughs> right. I, I even think if they want the minivan and let's say they're looking at what would be the gold standard minivan, Honda Odyssey, Toyota Sienna, like that's the minivan to get. Mm-hmm. And then as far as like the family size SUV, I think that's Expedition or Tahoe. I think they're going to look at all four of those and then budget is going to influence which one they go with. Yeah, but my, my my point back to the van would be is like, would you want to start out creating all of your messaging about come check out our awesome minivans? I mean, and again, no, you you may not have seven, a choice depending on the company you work with. And and I'm just saying the reason that new homes and then price point, I mean, anytime you're looking at multifamily, other than lack of maintenance, the main reason that you're looking at that is cost price, value, whichever one of the terms you want to use. And so if you're offering townhomes in a location, because that lets you hit a price point, then the price point plus home, like townhomes are homes too. My, yeah. my, my sister used to tell my parents all the time, whenever they wouldn't let her do something, I'm a person too. And that became like an internal <laughs> family joke of, of course you're a person, <laughs> you're Kristen. A person. <laughs> but like all of those things you described, Jackie, are homes. Yeah. If you're able to own it, even rentals can be a home. So not that you wouldn't include those search terms or specific terms in your account setup, right, Andrew? It's just that it's not on its own going to drive the volume of traffic that you need. Mm -hmm. And I think the internal arguments within building companies goes into, yeah, but then what's going to happen is someone's going to click on that ad for homes from the 190s and they're going to see it's a townhome and they're not going to be interested. Well, that's your content's fault or your product's fault of what kind of, you know, the, yeah. hopefully you design townhomes at a price point where when people consider it, they're interested. It's not, it's not necessarily the ad's fault at that point. Yeah. We're talking specifically around search here. Yeah. Around search. Yeah. And typically it's like, like you, like you implied, Kevin, is that search volume for townhomes or anything outside of the word home, it's just so much lower. Mm-hmm. And that's where like Kevin wants to give me a, a, not a hard time, but we were joking back and forth like, oh, it's a townhome. Andrew's going to be like, well, of course it's not selling. Mm-hmm. Like, of course there's a challenge. Like, that's just what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Just just in terms of like, we all have our own hangups or things that we have as, as biases. And a lot of times if, if multifamily is not what your company has historically specialized in, you're going to be like, oh, not those again. Yeah. Or, or even those if, the, struggle. if the price point is really close to the detached family home. It's like, Ooh, those are 380. And then the townhome is 360 or 350 like that discount or whatever their perspective then is. And you better buyer. have some type like of amenity a, or other, right. other feature like, to like the, lifestyle the upgrade. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, maintenance is included. It's closer to the 
pool, park, dog park, whatever, if it's a, like a master plan, then they go, oh, yeah. actually, I do want that. And there's maybe there is garage, like a downstairs garage, or there's some a private fence or something, fenced in backyard. Yeah. yeah. One fun one. Well, yeah. is there a conclusion to that, Jackie? Or is it just like, okay, we have to add all these keywords in? It was more just the conversation around these unique terms that builders are aware of and use. But also, I think your analogy, Kevin, was perfect in terms of the minivan and the considerations and just funneling them down to yeah. fall in love with it. Because that's essentially what I ended up doing with my personal condo. And, and I think how people have to just factor in what that monthly cost is. And just more builders, I think I'm really appreciative of them looking at more products and getting more affordable products on the market with these kind of options. And so more builders yeah. are looking towards these. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with it. All these things were created, like the actual style of home was created before the term was created for it. Okay. At one point, there was no such thing as a townhome. There was no such thing as a villa, duplex, twin home, et cetera. The products were all invented. And then because of the need to differentiate, they were given a different name. And sometimes I guess what happens maybe more often than not now is someone will say, well, we're going to build duplexes, but we think that name has a connotation to it that we don't want our buyers to associate with us. So we'll make up a new term and that's okay to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But in terms of search volume specifically, no one's going to know to search for this term that you just invented. Yeah. That doesn't right. mean that once they come on site or interact with your online sales team, et cetera, that you can't educate them on, you know, oh no, these aren't duplexes. They're <laughs> this other, this other term we made. That's okay. I mean, that's, that's what yeah. if any, any high end brand is going to try to differentiate itself from, from others. Definitely. Yeah. We even see this with floor plans, especially in urban locations where they don't call the kitchen, the kitchen. It's like cooking. We're like, they like space. Weird. I was joking with someone on Twitter. There was a plan and everything was renamed like, um, some, some crazy term, but you know, related to it, except for closets, closets were still called closets. And so we were like brainstorming, well, they should have gone all the way and renamed closets, you know, like, um, display where it's where you put all the stuff that you own on display or retail or cracks me up. It was like my apartments, maybe do like live, like, yeah, loud. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's differentiation mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with it. If it's done well, in fact, it's, it's That's helpful. It's done well. It's helpful. That kind of goes, right, into, that kind of goes into my story. So in 2019, we moved into our, our community, our neighbor across the street, they're from New York, they're transplants from New York and they opened a baked, essentially a baked potato restaurant on the beach, like a little like kind of lunch spot, like lunch, maybe dinner, like a small, like think like 1200 square feet, like not a bunch of tables, like to go, you get it to go called the baked patata. Um, he's Turkish. She's Portuguese. It kind of worked, kind of didn't work. And then the pandemic hit and terrible time to open up a restaurant. So that, that was not good. So, but they just had like, think about going to like a subway and, but there's no like names of like, oh, I want the Italian BMT or the, like, where you just know, like, oh, I want the, the meatball, whatever, maybe it was just like, here's the toppings. Here's a potato, big giant one pound potato. Just put what you want on there and minimal meat. He's Turkish. Keep that in mind. So that's, that's, that has an influence on there. Like meat's not a big thing, no, mm-hmm. no pork, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't work out, obviously. It's a, he tried, but you, I put the link in the, and there, the brand new was actually done really well. Like it looked like a big franchise corporate place. Like, oh, this is trustworthy. There's nothing wrong. It didn't feel local and just like, oh, some, someone's selling like freaking potatoes. Like, what the heck? Like, this is, this is a scam. This isn't right. Fast forward to like 10 minutes for the podcast. I'm just like, I need a story. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to space my brain out for a second and just go to local news. Maybe something will like trigger my brain from the past week. Then I see this new restaurant called Loaded, and it's the same exact thing, but they curated different types of baked potato loaded dishes. Like I didn't see them all in there, but there's one called The Beach. It's like bacon and avocado, and it's like, you know, like a bacon, avocado, turkey type of, type of thing, mm-hmm. like more normal things. And that's what he talked about doing, the, the guy that owned the restaurant. Like, oh, what if you made one that was like Thanksgiving, one that was like barbecue, one that was Italian. And so it would be these curated things packaged essentially packaged up baked potatoes. And here's this restaurant thriving called the new restaurant that opened up this year. It looks like that did that and they're, and it's working. 
So I'm like, oh, it's the same thing, the potato with mm-hmm. toppings on it. It's rather simple, really kind of boring and depressing in my opinion. Like, oh, I, I, at least I don't have a crave like, oh, I want a load of baked yeah. potato. You want that with like a steak or something. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. It's like the, the packaging changed it. And his foot track was, traffic was much better despite the pandemic. But still, people were going to the beaches down here because you were outside. So it's not like people weren't going to Florida all the time um, once they got over like the initial shock. But like beaches were definitely crowded all during the pandemic down this way. Yeah, we, I remember we made the news. If you remember that, like spring breakers in Florida were the terrible people. So he had like no excuse as far as that goes. But it was all the packaging I felt like for him was like, oh, that's the issue. That's the issue. Then here's this one doing what they should have done. So I just thought it was really interesting. Like that, he could have like made the restaurant work. It's not work. He turned into a convenience store. So he he transformed the space and, and made it made that successful. But yeah, I thought just the packaging and presentation was the biggest impact on how that restaurant worked. And this one did not work. So I'm sure we see that all the time with our builders as far as like the presentation of what you're offering. If it's awful, like people just won't get it. Back to like the what Jackie just talked about the townhomes. If they don't yeah. get it, like if it's not packaged together, like, oh, you're close to the, the amenities, you, maintenance is included. It's like, oh, it's just a townhome. Oh, I it's think the like problem unsettling. comes along with you're making people, and this is in the nicest way, right? You're making people think too much. Like give yeah. them, give them an easy, I want the number seven. Just, just have the, like the end result. Like the end result. Yeah, but then, I, the, the funny part, Jackie, is what we know most people want is the number seven without tomatoes. Yeah. Or the number seven without whatever, or the number seven with banana peppers. What they don't generally, most people don't want to start with. And the intimidation factor is nothing. Yeah. They can't see the vision of like, oh, that would taste like for this example, that would taste really good. Or like, oh, look at that. I'm not sure if um, Garmin Holmes still does this with Elena Money. She had some really fun names that she did when she curated these different packages together as far as the, here's you get this style cabinet with this color, this backsplash, and it was all packaged together. And it looked really, really great because it was curated by a designer and they sold this like hey this is perfectly in sync everything is congruent with the design options i don't know if they were able to charge more or if it was more profitable per home to go than that route but i'm like oh this the packaging thing might be might be a good idea well yeah the, the curated experience is the one that most people want or again the people who really care are gonna ask mm-hmm. but yeah there there's no doubt when you talk to people who are in the true custom business. Anytime a builder says, yeah, I just sit down with people and ask what they want. Or I've had the experience where someone's like, oh, we've got hundreds of homes we've designed in the past, but we don't put any of them on our website. You just tell me what you're looking for and I'll send you all the ones that are relevant. I'm like, well, I don't, it's, it's very, very difficult for most customers to get excited about something when, when they know that they're not an expert. And so that's, I think, to your point, Andrew, there's there's the complete packaging is to give it a funny name, make it memorable, make it simple, have great content, display it properly. But it, at the very least, you're communicating to the customer that an expert has started this for you. And you can either adapt it or undo it or add to it. But there's an unspoken level of confidence that if I order your number two item on your menu, it's it's been curated or thought through and that's yeah, why it's it good. is number it better two be on good. the menu. It's good enough to make the menu or it's good enough to make, to make the site, to make the package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The trust there. You're the authority, yeah. not them. So this is interesting. Maybe there is a theme working out here, Jackie, mm-hmm. but my story time. We're hungry now. Today I had a, a group of marketers that all got together to talk about a, a singular topic and one of the, well, a couple different topics. And one of the topics that came up was text messaging, SMS marketing, in particular automation, pros and cons, tools they're using, et cetera. And one of the people who's actually newer to the industry than most of the people who were in that group sent me a note afterwards. And I think this is, this is really insightful on her part. She said, Hey, I was just thinking, uh, it's interesting how marketing can be so opinion based. She said, example from today's call, text messages. Person X likes getting personal text messages from businesses, and so their company uses personal text messages as part of their process. Person Y hates it, and therefore their company doesn't do it. And in the flow, I wasn't picking up on that same piece, but she was just sitting there observing and like, wow, uh, so many people's personal opinions and experiences weaves its way into sometimes very large organizations going down a path or not going down a path versus, you know, her follow-up question is, 
is the best way to end all of this opinion with data. <laughs> I, she should, cause she's younger. She's like, it just seems to me that when I try to go opinion versus opinion in a room full of, uh, you know, three loud senior executives, I lose every time. Uh, so I, I just thought that was yeah. a couple interesting thoughts all rolled into one. And the, and the first is that you should not market to yourself unless you are the exact target market and you only serve the market of people who are just like you. And I think this one I learned pretty darn early because most of the time men are not the primary decision maker in housing. And I'm like, well, shoot, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dude. So I better be able to extract my own preference of just give me four walls and a place that requires minimal maintenance. And I'm happy. Like I still, we lived in a townhouse for four months. We moved to Pittsburgh while our house was being built. Best four months of my life. We had a kid. It was still great. I was like, I just, there is no yard work to do. There's yeah. plenty of space to sit around and, and do what we want to do inside of a home, but just the simplicity of it all. But that's, so I think you do have to be aware of your own biases and that's the first step is to be aware of them. The second step is to put things in terms of process or team members, et cetera, to compensate, to make sure that those blind spots don't become blind again. But even something as you know, relatively straightforward as SMS usage in your marketing and sales efforts, it was interesting that she picked up on, yeah, this person, when they're describing how they experienced that with other organizations, was like, yeah, it's kind of nice. I, I don't mind it, especially if it's personal. So we do personal. And Interesting. Yeah. Just, I think even I forget sometimes that even really large companies can fall into that paradigm. So I just yeah. thought that was. We're all human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With our biases. Yeah. Tag, I'm sure SMS, I'm sure that was a fun conversation as far as like, because you like open rate, like just think about the metrics involved typically with that. It's like, oh, 99% open rate. Well, the. Like you want to clear right. the notification. Like you don't want it to hang out there. Like, yeah. Well, one it, of the done. things that we 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 did talk through that I I think is interesting, but again, it's because I brought it up. So my bias is that I, hey, I thought true. it was a pretty good idea. Was if you if you currently don't automate SMS at all, probably the best place to start would be people who respond to a call to action that is action based. So if you click on a button that says schedule a tour. Maybe you require the phone number and you don't require the email or you don't even ask the email. Yeah. And then the auto response doesn't come from an email because that's slow. And yeah. this person wants to take action. So auto respond with a text message. Then that text message, if, if the consumer responds to it, also would go to the top of the stack, so to speak, for the online team or salesperson handling that. If they're Whether their phone buzzes or uh, if they're in CallRail's call center tool or something similar like that, it's going to it's going to pop out and be like, hey, pay attention to me in a different way than an email might. But we've talked uh, last couple episodes about the importance of speed when it comes to people who are saying, I want to take action versus I have a question. And it seems like that's a, it's a good potential use case mm -hmm. for automation. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about too mm. related to that, but. Texting. Hmm. I lost it. It's gone today. It's I'm gone. Need more yeah. caffeine. On to the news from fortune.com. Mark Zuckerberg announces meta verified subscription service for Facebook and Instagram Ooh. following Elon Musk's Twitter blue. First thing that's fascinating to me about this is uh, everyone loves to dunk on Twitter and talk about how it's dying and dead and they're doing stupid things. But then <laughs> Meta's like, oh, sure enough. Uh, that's actually a pretty darn good idea. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Twitter blue, there's a couple different features that it unlocks. But the biggest one is Essentially, you're paying for a wider distribution or priority distribution of the algorithm. Uh, that's just a part of what it is. Uh, not that you're wanting to screen to more people, but the people that you are trying to speak to are more likely to see it amongst other things in their feed uh, because it knows that you're a real person and, and not a bot, at least in theory. That's the way it works. So True. when I first saw this announcement, I was like, oh, that's actually pretty great. Makes sense to me, especially for businesses. Makes sense um, to me. And or like, people like Sean Carpenter, who I think every two days he gets impersonated by a new account on Instagram. They just, you know, are scraping all of his images and then create a new account. And every week he's like, hey, everyone, please report this fake account. It's so strange. Yeah. Not fun. I'm sure not fun. 
So, and you guys have any opinions on? So, I mean, I would sign up for it. Yeah. Now, first of all, it's not available everywhere. I think it's New yeah. Zealand uh, yes. where it's starting. Australia, and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Those rebels um, but down there. You'll get a verified badge confirming that you're the real you and that your account has been authenticated with a government ID. Yes. More protection from impersonation. Okay. Access, cool. access to a what? Wait a minute. They're lying. Access Hold to up. a real person for common account issues. That's a lie. That's, I don't believe it. I have a quick story about that too. It might, maybe Increased it's, visibility and yeah. reach. So that's cool. Yeah. What I, even that's vague. I'm not sure what it means. It, like, it's not like they're saying 50% increase in reach or there's, they're not committing any number. Yeah. I'm saying exactly. increased. Yeah. 1%. Remind me, does, if you're on Twitter, does that also cut the amount of ads you see as a person or is it just your the, down the line? They're, they're, yeah, it's supposed to provide more relevant advertising, but you still do see some ads. I think it's really interesting. So here in Ohio, they're getting ready to release or have released sports betting. And so the only advertising I get is sports betting. Every time I see one of those accounts, I block it, which also means that that account can't send me ads. Whoever these folks are who do the advertising around sports betting, th- these mofos are serious people because they have like a hundred different accounts that all use the yeah. same uh, creative. They just keep targeting you like, oh, you blocked us. Huh, okay, great. We're going again. It's it's unbelievable. I've probably it's, blocked like 60 accounts that are all, I think, for like the same two companies that are advertising. They have like bot armies making these accounts mm-hmm. and then they just plug in the page, change the name, change the name, same campaign, but yeah. change the account is distributed under. Yeah. So is, was your point, Jackie, that you think this might be a stepping stone towards? So in, in the article, it talks about, you know, in terms of for Facebook, does that mean like for Netflix, you're paying more and you're getting less ads? And the feedback was, no, it's it's just so you have a, a wider reach and you can get your messaging out there more. Um, but it almost seemed like when I just Google like Facebook subscription, what's going on, the benefits for me, I don't really see, but Andrew, if you want to sign up when it comes. Yeah. I think what's oh, interesting up too. is on the, um, like the Facebook or meta newsroom, they have this thing where it's, they, the title of it is testing meta verified to help creators establish their presence. So it seems like it's a, maybe a sneaky way to get people to start using ads um, as a creator. Like maybe that's like phase two, like, okay, let's get them used to paying something. They get increased visibility from the get go. So they have some success. So you could take your account and maybe grow instead of going from one follower to 10 to 20, 40, 50, maybe go from one to 50 to hundred, like you're growing quicker. Then you're more likely to actually spend more money with meta on, on ads. That I think it's just interesting. Like maybe that's their behind the scenes, like in the, conference room discussion like oh this is actually a way to get you know only x percent of creators who have this amount of reach spend money in ads no one spends money in ads let's get them used to spending money and this will be like the stepping stone into there but to me that like if i'm pushing stuff on my personal slash workish instagram account and i could reach 50 percent 10 percent 5 percent more people for 11.99 a month I'm like yeah. Well, heck yeah like i'll just put it on like it's auto payment like i'll forget about it 11 yeah, i think, I think like, just the protection from impersonation for a lot of people would be worth it. Yeah, and Sean, you know, for sure. I know I'm not the normal person, but if I, if I collectively had to spend $50 a month across all the social networks that I use heavily for any type of security verification, yeah, amplification, whatever all day long. Um, I, I just think Agreed. again, I, I just wrote an article for Builder Magazine kind of arguing that people who are scared about AI and, and everything else, like, were, were you scared of the iPhone when it came out? Because remember, or, you know, were we scared? It's just another tool that experts will use to their advantage and also kind of makes a lot of menial tasks more easy for everybody, but experts will yeah. use it at a different level. And I, I feel like in today's world, if you're, if you're skeptical about a $12 advantage on a network that still is connected to 2 billion people, and you're trying to communicate something. Now, if you're just on those networks to talk to friends and family, then I get it. Like, what, what's, yeah. what's the point? But if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably not where you are. I also, this is, I mean, we're going to lose half the audience here. Uh-oh. But I, like I think it. it's interesting. I think this is also, remember, Meta was also early to the, the crypto game and blockchain. Mm-hmm. To me, this is also an entry point of what do you need in order to create a blockchain, to your point, Andrew, to say who owns what content? And down the line, which content gets fed into AI or machine learning services and where does credit go? Yeah. If I verify who I am and then I start pumping out content, if that as a content creator begins to build in protection for copyright or whatever for me, 
then I am way more likely to publish on your platform. If you're help, you know, think about like the music industry and Napster and all that stuff that happened. And even YouTube ended up getting sold to Google because people were so terrified about being sued out of existence when copyright material is put on the platform. True. Well, that's because there's, you know, only four music companies and they, they could afford to, to be focused on that. If you're an independent content creator, good luck, you know, trying to prevent people from taking your stuff. Yeah, they do it. I'm sure we, we see it all day long. We just don't realize it like, oh, that piece of content came from that person. And now everyone just, mm-hmm. just reshares everything. They make all these fake accounts. They're trying to get the bonuses from Instagram, all these sorts of things. They're trying to get money. Just re- but- Publishing I don't know if content. this is really going that way, but it wouldn't surprise me if this morphs into that because they be are really believers cool. in, in blockchain and security there. But I also just think generally, the next time something nefarious happens, they want to be able to be like, hey, we, we have this opportunity. If people want more security, we can, you can have it. Here it is. Don't, I, don't find us $2 billion again, please, Europe. There's also a few marketers I know that have had problems even managing their own accounts in certain formats due to just past history. So I feel like once they do upgrade that to that subscription platform, ideally they would be treated as more responsible and realistic than Facebook is less likely to deny them. Or if you have like too many pages out in the world, then you you're seen as justified and and a real person. So. Yeah. That's always the trouble. Like, especially if the account's not used or if there's like a shared a single shared marketing account that has like a Facebook thing. That's always, in my opinion, a terrible idea, or at least if that's like the only account and that's the admin to the business manager, I'm like, oh gosh, this is just like a ticking time bomb waiting to get shut down because Facebook wants to know who is behind those $5,000 a month in ads or whatever the budget may be. Yeah, that is super important there. Yeah, so right now they're predicting three to 7% of people of the 3 billion users will take it up on the subscription (laughs) offer. What do you think, Andrew? Higher or lower? Um, that seems normal. And I think some people do it for the check mark. I don't really care about the check mark. The other things seem more interesting to me. I think for me, if I had a check mark, people would be like, what, what does Andrew yeah, have a check you're mark? Admitting you're admitting you're a dork if you have a check mark right. or whatever. Well, he is like, the act doctor. So. I don't, yeah, I'm definitely impersonated and I'm, I'm worthy of that. No, I'm not. <laughs> like it's, it makes no sense. But the other things definitely I would pay for. Like maybe I would even... Yeah, I would uncheck like display blue check mark. Like, no, I don't need that. We're good. And that's the other, I guess we should have said this at the beginning. This verification is only for individuals. Businesses cannot be verified at this time. Well, shoot. Well, yeah, it was interesting because this other article I had to pull up, it does talk about that's where they see the most opportunity too. So I'm sure it'll kind of shift to maybe a different payment plan. That might be $49.99 a month for the business. Be a little bit more, which would make sense. Yep. Yeah. Continuing on to the drum.com Adland. That's an interesting. I've never really heard the ad <laughs> Adland is Adland. on alert after meta verification announcement sees surge in deactivate searches. Mm. Following news that meta will roll out a subscription tier promising pay for play verification and enhanced reach. Experts explain how the move will impact the tech giants ad business. Hmm. So I think I there's people panicking. Like, I roll my eyes. This yeah. is the same people that will, there's always this, I'm sure there's some word as far as studying people like, oh, if that person becomes president, I'm moving. No, oh, catastrophe. Catastrophifying something. Yeah. Is that the word? There's something like that reaction. Like, yeah, it's just like, it's so predictable. So I just, until it happens. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So again, very niche conversation, but I guess t- people are up in arms that Twitter has said that if you want to use two-factor authentication to yeah. log into Twitter, and you want to use SMS to do that, you're going to have to pay for it. Or else if you want two-factor verification to be used through an authenticator app like Google Authenticator, et cetera, it will be free. And people are f- losing their minds. Even my, my brother-in-law is in from Sweden. We're eating at Chick-fil-A last night for dinner. And someone had an interaction on Twitter. I was showing him and he's like, are you going to use that? Because like, it's all going to, it's going to cost you money now to use Twitter. And I was like, are you talking about the two-factor authentication? He's like, yeah, that's, isn't that crazy? It's like, how often do you have to reauthent? Like when you get a new phone, you have to do it. But yeah. <laughs> once you're logged in, you're in. I don't so like know what. what 35 what if, cents a month or something like. Yeah, I don't. I, I agree. I don't yeah. understand. Sweating. Maybe maybe we're just, um, we need to watch our pennies more. That might, yeah. might be what it is. But, it's, but I, if, like you said, if I had to spend $50 a month to keep everything locked down, like I'd be, it's almost like an insurance policy. Like, cool. I don't have to worry about that really anymore or shouldn't. 
But I definitely think, mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, like, what if my account got hacked? Oh my gosh, like that could be. So, disaster. so that's kind of the same thing. This article is talking about is that consumers. It says uh, deactivate Facebook and deactivate Instagram searches are up by 1,900% and 1,500% respectively. Now, from what level, right? They don't say because that yeah. might not create the catastrophe effect that they're yeah. looking for. Percent increases are always sneaky. Yeah, right. And then I just down. don't. I don't see it. Yeah, and I don't see them. You could pull up the financial reports, like here in a once Q Q1's over, but the revenue per user in the US, I think it's like in the 40 to $50 per quarter range. So I, I, I don't see them getting rid of ads for people. But I mean, I'm sure they thought about like, we could charge $29 per month to remove ads, and we'd actually increase revenue from those people. Because per quarter, we're making yeah $90 versus $50 from from the people that decide. But to then the out. advertisers who are looking after for, for that high income person to advertise to will be upset. They would or, not. Yeah. Yeah. They'd have to move on and look, look. So that's why, else. yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like they will never get rid of the ads because they need, they need that. They need those people. Exactly. Interesting. All right. Up next from Reuters, us mortgage interest rates jumped to the highest level since November. Mm. Uh, yeah. Let's catastrophize that one. That's scary. Yeah. Rates go up must mean uh, sales and interest go down, right? We'll get to that in a second, but the, the average interest rate on the most popular U.S. home loan rose last week to its highest level since November as bond markets took fright that the Federal Reserve might have to continue tightening policy through the summer, tightening policy meaning raising rates to subdue inflation. Data from the Mortgage, Mortgage Bankers Association showed on Wednesday. The average contract rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage jumped by 23 basis points to 6.62% for the week ending February 17th. So rates are back up. Must be a disaster. This actually, we can have a fun little conversation. That goes back to my fence sitter theory of actually what, what home builder data is showing is that since rates have gone back up, traffic and more surprisingly, lead volumes have increased, not decreased. Yeah. And I think this goes back to my theory that there's always more people in the who are sitting in the wait and see mode than the take action mode. And they're like, yeah, well, rates are going down, but we think they're going to keep going down. We're going to wait until they go to four and then we'll buy. And then rates turn the other direction and they freak out. I think that's one possibility. The second possibility is that compared to existing homes, most home builders are still offering rate buy-downs. And so if rates keep going higher, those buy-downs look more attractive compared to an existing home, which people might try to negotiate a point or something as part of the deal when they but but new home or existing homes, used homes, sorry, don't have ads running saying, you know, next to the Zillow listing, four point whatever, offering a three point eight seven five percent, yeah, or three, yeah, buy down. It's even better on this home. I agree. Yeah, I just pulled up the chart. I'm like, oh, that's that's a big bump. Yeah, on the from home builder data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that makes so sense. It's Do you up, think those? And I, I think it's going to keep going up if I had to guess, because there just doesn't, even though we know that how um, real estate data rolls into the CPI report um, is delayed by six to eight months, maybe even a little bit more. So part of the narrative has been, well, no, inflation is really down because look, real estate is, has suffered and prices have come down or rents have stopped rising. Um, so once that gets factored in, we'll all be good. Um, but it just doesn't seem like that's, that's the case. In fact, they're already talking about going higher than they previously had planned to go from the Federal Reserve perspective. So I wouldn't be surprised if rates keep getting getting higher before Seven they go something. back down a bit. Hmm. So what do you say to builders contemplating who don't have an industry buy-down program going on right now? Well, I mean, a lot of builders have stopped with promotions entirely. I would say a good 60% of the builders we work with have turned promotions or incentives off because they're selling their inventory faster than they anticipated selling, especially if it's been completed or near near completion. And so they're actually slowing those things down. And, and so on the one hand, that's great. Um, but in terms of encouraging uh, renewed interest in, in your offerings, I don't think we have to go back now to buying rates down to four or even five. But then to discontinue all messaging related to we have fantastic financing opportunities for you, or save X, X amount per month or per year with our financing packages, 
I don't know that I would turn those off. They don't have to be incredible. But again, when competing against resale and making sure sales teams understand that. So this was a conversation that happened today of a sales manager went to an owner and said, hey, uh, someone just sold an, an existing home of a floor plan that we we build. So is it like a three or four year old home of theirs? And it sold for six twenty five, and the new the new build version of that floor plan is six fifty. Mm-hmm. And the sales manager was kind of saying, "Hey, maybe we're overpriced compared to uh, resale." But the owner's like, "Well, no, we we're offering a buy down though, so the affordability of that home at six fifty is significantly better than the one at six six twenty five, paying normal rates." And the sales manager said, "Well, no, because we're only paying eleven thousand dollars to buy down the rate." And so 650 minus 11,000 is still more than 625. And that's completely missing the point because that's not, that's not what we're looking at. We're not looking at the cost of that. Remember, cost and value are always two different right. words, meaning two different things. Cost is how much it costs you and perceived value can be whatever it is to the consumer. And, it, and whenever yeah. it's more than cost, you get to make profit. Uh, so even though the cost is only $11,000, the impact on payment, it was going to be you know, $200 less a month for the same floor plan. And it's brand new. He's like, so yeah. we're, we're still better, but I think if you, if you pulled the, um, I feel like everyone on TikTok and Instagram does like these street interviews, or at least my algorithm is showing me all these interviews. Yeah. If you're like, would you buy a brand new home for 650 or would you buy one that is three years old and 625, which one would you prefer? Same floor plan, same size. I think they'd pick the 650 all day long. They're like, well, the carpet's brand new. This Especially is new. if you then said, oh, but the payment's going to be a little bit better on the 650 one. Yeah. Like the value in that 650, like, yeah, go up. Yeah. Yeah, much more. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Um, and finally, it's okay. We, You know what? Sometimes we got to we gotta counterbalance some of our one and a half hour episodes with shorter episodes. Yeah. Uh, CoStar says, just kidding about uh, potential oh. purchase of realtor.com. That's not the actual headline. <laughs> um, but at this point, uh, CoStar's uh, CEO uh, just had Andy Florence just on their earnings call said, it's official, we're done, we're not going to acquire realtor.com, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. It also mentions um, later on that there are other options for like realtor.com started getting offers from other entities. Wonder who that could be. Hmm. Mm-hmm of other companies who might be interested in buying. Now, again, uh, right. (laughs) Oh gosh. There's so many wild, we should have a rumor episode of all the rumors about this company that uh, I'm hearing. Like, did you know, for instance, I've had three people ask me when we are getting in the business of training onsite salespeople. Um, Let me just say never, um, because that's not what we want. That is not our scope, not our focus, not where we want to be. Uh, there's, there's, there's even crazier ones out there, but, um, we're not buying realtor.com. Thanks Andrew for starting that. that rumor, though. I would like to see that. Although spread. heck, why, why not? Maybe we should. Yeah, maybe so <laughs> I'll buy, I'll buy the, the front uh, door. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure Zillow would, would love to ha- acquire another entity like that. Would they be able to get through antitrust with the amount of market share they already have? I don't know. Um, would somebody like, uh, I mean, I, I could I could name lots of different companies, but it was interesting that other people, once they heard the potential sale price to CoStar, apparently said, hold up. If that's all you want to charge, then maybe we're interested too, or in order to prevent CoStar from getting it, we're willing to go to the negotiating table. So is CoStar no longer going to be interested in the residential real estate market? Absolutely not. They own homes.com, which is like the Band-Aid um, generic, like in theory, right? Uh, in theory, that would be great for SEO. Also, mm-hmm. could be terrible for um, any paid traffic attempts that you're trying to do. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> but they own <laughs> homes.com. Brand terms. <laughs> and uh, and they feel comfortable that they'd rather spend three billion dollars growing homes.com over time than buying Realtor.com uh, and working through it that way. So, mm-hmm. I think I know a couple people who are probably really happy this isn't going through. And a handful of people who are not so happy, but it does, I think, put realtor.com in an interesting situation still. Um, you know, they're still not a front runner in the space, uh, with builders or existing homes. They were the first to kind of pivot towards a cost per lead model versus cost per impression, uh, or, or other, other models, but 
I don't know. They, they're going to have to figure out something else to do if they really want to continue to be competitive, I think. Yeah. Although I've also had people just to, to play both sides of this. I've also had people ask me recently, like, what is up with Zillow? It doesn't seem like, again, that they're necessarily innovating the way that they used to be. My, I'm having this conversation with myself, so I'll just keep it going in terms of, I asked myself what other people ask me and, um, their, their, their focus right now is on providing the best possible super app experience for brokers, agents, and consumers. But it, it feels like they've said our consumer experience can remain relatively unchanged. Although they did release, um, the improved search functionality, uh, with, with like chat GPT, like prompts, which I don't. Okay. I mean, that's incremental, but they're not going to, they don't feel the need to do anything dramatically different there, but they do want to make sure that they're providing a great experience to agents and brokers as well. I think that's, that's where their focus seems to be right now. Where they get the revenue. All right. Favorites. Ooh. Wrap this puppy up. I'll go first because it's a simple one. Um, There's this brand, Alani New. They do supplements and energy drinks. They're, they like took off out of nowhere. They're in Target, Walmart, all that stuff. They have a flavor. I should be drinking it today, but I, I didn't. I ran out. Um, it's called Cosmic Stardust, and it's like grapeish energy drink. And I think the interesting thing is the person who started it started it is like an quote old school Instagram fitness influencer from like like way back before everyone was one, and there's hundreds and hundreds of them. So I'm like, oh, that is crazy. Like that person is like taking it to the bank now that their product is in every Walmart, every Target ever. And sure enough, they just started like, look at me work out. And then they grew it into like this massive business with hundreds of million dollars in revenue. So it's fun seeing that like, oh, that person, I remember that person had like 20,000 followers way back in the day. And now they, you know, they're, they're doing quite well for themselves. So I'll have one next podcast. I'm sure someone listening is like, oh yeah, that's my favorite one too. It's definitely that cosmic <laughs> stardust is like the flavor that most people get. So yeah. Jackie, how about you? Mine is uh, it's a program called B pro. We usually recommend it to builders who want to build out an email template, duplicate it, and kind of create it easier to copy email format. And then you steal the HTML coding and then you paste it into your email um, program. And it's just, it, it's an easier format. And this morning I was having issues putting like five weirdly shaped photos in a blog post and they just didn't want to work well. So I just faked an email, stole the code, embedded it into my blog and it worked really well. So just also using cool. your Bpro is a great program for builders, but also if you ever have like weird alignment issues and you need solutions, uh, if you have access to the code of a website and realigning things, it seems like a really good solution to be able to, um, to tweak things as you need. So shout out to uh, Sam Kellenberger for recommending that product a few months back for builders. So you awesome. don't, you don't need to know HTML or CSS to nope. fix it. Nope. That's yeah, the beauty. It, it's the beauty of it. It's like Canva, and then it gives you the, and then you rearrange everything. It gives, and then you go, I just want to copy the code. And I did take coding in uh, in school, so at least I knew how to take off the made by B Pro section at the bottom. There you go. <laughs> there's no more like. You don't oh, really need my, to know coding to be able. There's to no do. like. What's my padding? My margin? My alignment? Like. Ugh. It's, just, it's almost like a Canva-based email template. Um, that's incredible. So highly recommend it. What do you got, Kevin? Save some time. Um, my favorite, I'm going to talk about two things related to audio real quick. Um, first is Rode Wireless Go 2. There, there are other companies, other brands who do something similar, but these are my favorite because they're just extremely reliable and work really well. There's uh, their wireless packs that you can attach a lavalier mic to, but they also have built-in microphones. And so I'm starting to see more and more builders use this. We've talked about these for a couple of years. This is their second version of this, but more and more, if I'm see a, a reel or a story and there's a person with, from a home builder speaking, they've got one of these, um, in their lapel and you can, you'll notice it once you see it, it's kind of a black square icon, but it doesn't stick out like other microphones do extremely good quality. You can connect it to your phone. You can connect it to a, a DSLR or any camera that you want really. But for, for 300 bucks, you get two microphones, so you can use it in an interview setting just fine. We use this when, we, when we've recorded podcasts on the go as well. Before, uh, I think it was two years ago at the Builder Show, we just sat around in a circle on the show floor and passed these little mm-hmm. suckers around. Just does a great job. And then my second one is something called Crisp, K-R-I-S-P. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think the actual URL is crisp.ai, so you know it's really smart. 
Super um, fancy. But in this case, it, in this case, it is. It's it's a noise canceling app that you can put on your phone or your or your computer, and mm. it's essentially like having better microphone with you, even though you're using what you already have. So it's not perfect, but if you have a decent microphone or or earbuds, et cetera, and then you turn on crisp, uh, if there's a kid, you know, talking loudly in the backseat of your car, you you have a good shot of no one having a clue. Uh, it's that it's that good. So uh, it is a su- subscription service, though it's not free. But it's if you're going to be on the go a lot, they do, they do have a free version, but it doesn't. It, Sixty minutes oh. is, the, is the maximum. It's eight bucks a month for the pro version. Oh, uh, it's a go. great great option. Brainer. So online sales, get that one. Marketing, get the wireless laugh mics, and yeah. we use that for at the nationals. We use those mics when Mike did the interviews. Set last year, we mm-hmm. use those mics. So. There's yeah. a quick example if you want to see them. Oh, and there is, yeah, there is also a little, um, I saw Quint use it this yeah. year for the Nationals. Uh, we used it last year. There's like a handheld version. So you can take one of these little squares, drop it into the, and it looks like it's a news reporter microphone. It has a little foam thing that yeah. goes on top as well. So, cool. Buy it. The world needs better audio. You can fix video stuff pretty well in comparison, but you can't fix bad audio as unfortunately you've discovered at times on this podcast when we, re- <laughs> when we run into issues. All right. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to become a member for free of do you converts all access community app for home builders and developers watch behind the scenes videos from the podcast, frequent exclusive postings and analysis from the do you convert team access to private hangouts and very soon half price tickets to this year's online sales and marketing summit. I like it. First come, first served while supplies last. There you go. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week. See y'all. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.